Good evening and welcome to the Top 10% Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Carter. Today is January 19th, 2022. This is episode two with CEO NBK, Kyle Hunter, on the first of a few that uh, he collected this year. Um, Pretty prominent buck. You guys are going to enjoy this story. So stick with us and uh, here's some details. (laughs) <laughs> Bro, I just shot T-Bar. This episode of the Top 10% Podcast is brought to you by Top 10% Hunting Headquarters, located in Coldwater, Michigan, your premier AR manufacturing outlet. Let's get back to your host, Dan Carter, of the Top 10% Podcast. Welcome back, guys, to the Top 10% Podcast. I have our guest, Kyle NBK Hunter here with us. Uh, we're going to talk about the Hoosier buck that uh, was quite the adventure over a few years. And uh, But before we do that, let's uh, have Kyle pipe in here and, and give a little intro to himself. You guys listened to our intro last week. You heard a little bit about him um, and from himself and from his dad. So, Kyle, give me a little history on you. Well, I've been going, going at hunting for a long time now, me and my dad. It's kind of a thing that I grew up doing with him. And it's... It's really, it's just been my whole life ever since we started, so never going to stop, and we're just going to keep going at it, but that's really it. I started at a young age with my dad. He got me going into it, and uh, I can't stop. That's all I can really say. Yeah, it's quite the addiction, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the passion that starts young, and we talked about that last week, um, it kind of leads into the history you know going back into the history of the company and everything else but what it really leads into is this week it leads into that and we'll just lead to it right out of the gate that one percent deer where we find one yeah and that's what we want to do so let's go um back to the beginning of where where this all the ehd survivor buck comes in and you're like hmm he might be the one. And then as it goes on, and I'll let you tell a little bit more about that. So where start me out at the beginning of that and give me give me your take on. So in uh, 2019, southern Indiana got hit pretty hard with uh, EHG. As a hunter, we're all familiar with it. It's You don't want it in your area. Yeah, it's a bad disease. Wipes out deer pretty fast. Oh, yeah. And it does what it does. It came through. It hit our property, and it wiped out a lot of deer. So going into the 19 season, uh, I didn't have much history with the deer that were there because it was just new deer showing up that I haven't, I have never known or knew before in the in the past. So I get one single photo of a deer in 2019. It's the rut, and I mean it's clearly a shooter deer. Right. I mean, especially for an EHD year. Right. So I'm looking at them 
and a, def- a definite four-year-old deer. I mean, he's probably in the 60s. He's a 60s deer. He's a good deer. But he's in the back of my mind. It's one photo. It's the rut. No photos of open gun during 2019. You know, uh, late season in 19, I harvest another deer. Um, okay. Which you were fortunate considering AHD and everything else. And we'll go back a little bit on the property. Now, just knowing what, what I know, it, 2016, you got that property? It's just yep. you that hunts it, right? It's a pretty large piece of property. It was about 700 acres. Okay. Um, so that said, it doesn't have the pressure on the property, but we have that coming from all aspects, just like the rest of us do anywhere we hunt, you know, but it's even a little bit heavier from the private land right there around you, correct? Oh, yeah, we got lots of private land that borders us that uh, is heavily hunted, and there's even some public land near us that, you know, okay, anybody can access. So. Right, right. So now we've got, we got a potential there, um, the shows up as a four and a half year old and and just to spin back into episode one our target on any of these properties is the top 10 percent. i mean that's what we're looking for um we then dial in i guess depending on the property and what we see or what shows up to find that top five percent top one percent or that one deer which leads us to right here so now we get through 2019 you put a good deer on the ground yes which you can tell me a little bit about that deer, too, if you want. I mean, for 2019 and considering everything that was going on, uh, EHD, I didn't have many bucks of age class. Right. So late December, I have a deer show up. Four-year-old, boom, I'm going to hunt him. So that's exactly what happens. A nice nine-point shows up. I go down to hunt him, and in about four or three days, um, I have him on the ground. So, you okay. know. Was that bow or was that gun? That was muzzleloader. Muzzleloader there, okay. Oh, yep. I was fortunate enough to get a deer during that year that was an actual four-year-old. Right. And because uh, I went all bow season and all the way up to the muzzleloader before I had a, a deer that I would actually want to harvest show up. So, I mean, I had lots of other deer there just younger. I didn't I didn't want to pursue them. You know, I'd, I want to see them age. But okay. when that nine-point showed up, yeah, I, I went down there. I took my chance at them. We got them, and thankful I did. Yeah. It kind of goes back to to a little bit about how you know we'll get more into that on on other episodes and things of that nature when we talk in about our um our program and how you actually go in and and we just evaluate the property and what we do and and trying to you know even our land management and all those things and i know you guys probably heard me say that last week but nonetheless that's that's why we can look at trail cam pictures and things of that nature and be able to to pick and choose a little bit when they show up and go, okay, we know they're in the area, they're in the vicinity. It's time to, time to execute. Exactly. No pun intended. So now we get through 19, you got a good deer in the ground, um, in muzzle loader. That deer was what? Mid one forties. That's a decent deer. He's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. So now we're at the end of the season. You're back home in Michigan. You're sitting on the couch and you're like, that deer's still there. I know he's still there. Yeah. I was, I was pretty sure he was still there, but I really didn't think he was a homebody deer. You know, right. I think he's probably crossing the road coming from the neighbors. They have a large chunk, and it's the one neighbor that they, they don't hunt over there. It's 300 acres they they have, and I've, I was pretty sure that's probably where the deer was right. coming from. Yeah, that's from. living in his core area is, is really most of the time on that property. Right. Especially in high-pressure times of the year, which we know how that works. So we've got that piece, but then you're going through, and we're watching, watching cameras and, and not seeing anything show up to give you any kind of like 
reassurance that he's alive. Nope, never got a never got another trail cam pick of that deer that I seen in 2019. But I had some other deer that showed up late season, and I was like, wow, these are some good deer. Sure, uh, moving into the area, and yeah, so I'm making it. Some other deer, you know. There's some other ones around. I definitely had my mind more on them deer than I did him at the time, be just because. Well, I think out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. As much as we we think in the back of our minds, we're like, okay, maybe he's there, maybe he's not there, but we're still like we're fingers crossed. But yet we, oh, we're honors, right? We're we're looking for the next one, you know, whether that's in the next state or we're coming back at some point. If he was harvested, another mature deer is going to move into that area, and we can talk about that a little bit later too, as they come in and they filter in and they take over a core area and things that they do. Um, so now that gets us to the summer of 20 and still nothing. Nope. No velvet pictures, nothing like that. No sheds. Uh, I say no sheds at all. Yeah. No sheds. And I, I go down there, I shed hunt, I look and never found anything that gave me a sign that he was still there. Just a lot of good upcoming deer. That's all right. I was seeing, you know, EHD really. It really wiped us out. Yeah, it hit hard down there. I think it hit harder there than, I mean, we're in Michigan, and I know a few of you will probably remember our EHD outbreak that we had here. And, man, it re- especially down here in the southern lower, it really hammered us bad in this area. Oh, yeah. All of our farms around here, I know we, we've seen tons of deer that we hope to be target deer that year. We're just done. So... Yeah, it was, it was tough, just like it was here in Michigan, and the same thing in southern Indiana. It's it's tough. It really does a number on the herd if it gets in there, and that's what it did. So, yeah, it doesn't uh, it doesn't pick and choose which ones it, it it you know it does kill. So that's that's a bad thing. So I guess now we're let's say we're midsummer. Were you guys doing food plots that year? We didn't. What did we oh, do? Yeah, that we year? did uh, food plots. We get we get down there. We're doing food plots every year, and. Uh, you know, we're trying to we're trying to see what we can do to improve the habitat for the deer and keep them on there on the property. But coming into twenty twenty, it's a little bit different. We got uh, there's no crops on the property. Okay. Um, coming into twenty twenty, we get crops on the outskirts of the property now, so not on the out on the core. Nothing interior. Okay. So I think you know during the summer months, a lot of my deer were leaving. They were going down to the the neighbors. They got all the bean fields, this and that. So sure. summer months, I think they would be down there. And it's and with it being a southern state and out of state from where I'm at, it's hard for me to get down there and scout these deer. So I mean, I do run the cameras. I don't get many velvet pictures, and yeah. I definitely don't get velvet pictures of anything big. So. So I guess we'll talk about that a little bit too, because you and I have talked about this before. the The cameras out of state is huge for us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know anywhere I'm out of state, or or you are as well. We're we're plucking away at if it's not working. When's the next time can I get there and move a camera to see how I can you know find something something to key in on and, and go from there. So. What's your strategy on on the cameras? I mean, what do you, what are you thinking? You know, obviously we we know we research. You've got a little history on the property. You know where the deer kind of should be at this point, but again, like you said, they're not there right. early on. So I mean, I'm looking with this this specific property. It's um you know it's a big property, and I got a lot of thickets on it. Right. So I try to focus on some of them thickets with these cameras. I try to put one by each one. I I don't enter the thickets but i 
put it on what I think is the main travel corridor okay. for them to go into food and stuff like that. So you're picking those transition points. It we, It's probably a good point for us to mention when we get into that southern region, a lot of the ridges and valleys and things that people specifically here in Michigan aren't used to. I know there's a lot of people that are probably going to be listening that, that are used to that, but it's a little bit different hunting than, you know, here you can see 10,000 oh, yeah. acres straight across the field, you know, sometimes in farm country oh, yeah. where, you know, we got a little block here, a little block there. And Northern Indiana is completely different. Even where you have small parcels that you might have 10 or 15 acres in the middle of 400. It's not like that. Once you get in that Southern region, it's more like the edges of Kentucky, Tennessee, Yep, Southern got, Illinois, you know, it's the same Ohio even. Yep, big ridges, we get caves, we get all kinds of stuff. So the property holds it all, you know, and we got we got some flat land, but when you get to the flat land, it's just a, it's a small crop field or a CRP field. So The edge you, to a valley, right? Yep, then you, you drop off again. So it's a lot of rolling stuff there. Which we'll speak on that a little bit too. Like, and I know me, I don't want to say it makes it easier to pick those transition points, but the agriculture is not the same as here, but the the topographical stuff forces those deer to move a little bit differently. Oh, yeah. So looking at certain pieces of property, we kind of know that they're, they're not going to go through this portion or they're not going to go through that. So it allows us to put these cameras in a little bit better place to see what's up. And exactly, just like how you're saying, and on that property, I got a spot like that. The, it's a huge gut. Uh, the deer, they cannot go through it. They go down in it. They're not coming back out. So that, that allows me to put cameras on each side of that that big gut there, and it shows me everything that's coming out of that thicket up that way. So they either come on each side of that gut, one or the other. They can't they can't come up through it. So Right. Yeah, that, that makes it good when you can actually get a pinch point like that or at least two pinch points that come together. Also makes it great for that nice funnel stand that we'll talk oh, yeah. about that in a little bit. But Perfect. So looking at where we're at, we got some cameras out. We're looking at cameras. We still don't have this buck on camera yet, do we? Nope, not yet. Okay. So where, let's see, so we're rolling into like September, October. Got some other candidates that are potential. Three yeah. and a half, four-year-olds that potential show up maybe. deer, but nothing that's going to, nothing that makes me want to hunt them. You right. Know, I want. Drive that extra few hours to get there, right? Exactly. So, I mean, the, these are some great deer and a lot of them, I mean, you can consider them your top 10% deer, but. I'm really, I'm really trying to start looking for my top 10% deer in that age structure of four and up. Right. So I'm looking for my four-year-olds to so on, and I'm right. looking for my top 10% of deer inside of that age class. When you get into the age class thing, and that, and that's kind of, we'll talk about that too, you know, when we start getting into prime age classes and, and things of that nature, when we start doing our um, our talks on land management and, and that stuff, but I think there's a key point there where that peak growth of those deer occurs. I mean, wouldn't you say, I mean, I know myself four and a half is good, but if I can get that five and a half, that would be ideal. Exactly. You know, and and on before EHD hit, you had all that regularly. So, I mean, a four year old wasn't even on my mind at the time. Right. You know, I was looking for definitely five and up. And to be honest, before EHD is is most likely a six year old deer. Sure. You know, before it was ever even getting looked at. EHD really did a number on me, so it I have to look at and consider these four year olds. And I mean, 
if it's a big four-year-old eight, and at the time, if it was 2019, 2020, it's probably a chance I'm going to harvest that deer sure. after EHD. But uh, yeah, so the age class is a little bit, it's a little bit weird when it comes down to it. But EHD, that that's yeah, it really just changes what, everything. It, changes it really does everything. So now we're we're here. We you know we're we're beginning a season. Um, you're planning a bow trip down, but no real main targets. Tell me a little bit about how that season, the beginning of the bow season, starts in 20. Uh, it starts out slow, but we see plenty of deer. I mean, we got tons of does and tons of young bucks, so we, we see plenty of deer. Uh, I have a nice deer. I do consider this deer to be a four-year-old, and I don't want to. I don't want to harvest this deer. I watch the deer. I see him everywhere. I'm sitting. This deer is coming through, and then he comes back. And he's missing half his rack. Mm. It's broke off just just above the brow on the one on the one side, and I'm like, hmm. he's been fighting. Right, he's been fighting it's another time. Yeah. Another a good bigger deer. deer. There's another deer in the core. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not getting pictures of this other deer. No, I'm not, none at all. I'm getting a lot of pictures of this deer. Now he's got one antler. Right. And so and he seems to follow me everywhere I go on the property. And he head. sticks out like a sore thumb because he's oh, yeah. yeah. And he's he's a big body deer and. uh I had high hopes for him coming into 2021, you know, hoping that he was going to make it. Sure. But we're still in 2020 season. I'm watching this deer, and then, uh, boom, I get photos of him. There he is. He shows up on my food plot. and uh, Okay. And that's EHD Survivor. That's EHD Survivor. That's the first Survivor. one. When, when did you get that first photo of him? It's like mid-October, late October? I want to say it was... 2020. It is late October at the earliest. It okay. might have been early November. It was... I remember when we were talking about it earlier there that it was like sometime in that range. I just couldn't remember exactly. So he's there. It's the beginning of the ruts a little bit. I don't want to say it's a little bit later. It's almost the same time as ours. It can vary by three to five days normally. I think in my personal opinion, it seems like I can get some of it here. And then if I get in the truck and go there the next weekend, it seems like I'm right in the same thick of what I what I left in Michigan. Right. So now, now everything changes. Oh yeah, everything changes. He's he's on camera and he's my main focus. And he's in daylight. No, not on the first photos. Okay, not all right. Just wanted to photos. check. Okay. Okay, so 2019, he was in daylight. Yep. The very one photo I got of him. 2020, the first photos I got of him on the food pot. He's in the dark. Okay. He shows me himself though. He's there. Right. When you say he's in the dark, was he was he on the cusp? Like was he? I mean, I know for me, and and I know you're the same way. I'm looking at those times. So oh, yeah. is he close? Like oh, yeah. his bedding's like, like I'm like, I'm, I'm near his bedding. He's bedding close to this food plot or he's not, or is he, you know, two or three hours away from so you know, prime time? It goes back to, yeah, he's, he's coming in right after dark. Okay. And it goes back to that factor of, um, where I think this deer is coming from. Right. Is either one or two spots he's coming up from, and that's because that big gut we were just talking yep. about. So it's creating that that firm funnel, like I said, that we would mention earlier. And I would love to get down there and hunt. I would. I mean, I, it'd be great action down there, but the problem is it's the access on that sure. side. Uh, that's why I stay on top of the food pot there. If I access it, I'm gonna. I'm definitely bumping deer. Right. So yeah, well, we won't talk about thermals and everything like that, but we know how that all just it exactly. just spoils it fast. So. so I, now you got him, you know, yeah. you got some, you got some pictures of him. We got some dark pictures. Um, he's where you're at. So yeah. that's good. 
So now he becomes, you should switch gears completely. Now he's the target. We're still in bow season there. Yep. Um, I'm thinking 20, what season started? Their gun season's what? The, I think it was like the 14th, 13th, 14th, something like that. And yeah, 20, 13, I'd have to look 14. back at it. But So we're, you still got some time before that happens. So tell me a little bit about now what that looks like. You grab the bow and you're running Indiana immediately. Oh, yeah, I'm down there. I'm hunting. I'm hunting him on the food plots because uh, that's where I'm getting the uh, the photos of him at. I'm pretty okay. sure I know where he's coming from. I can't hunt it. Access doesn't allow me to hunt it down there. So I got to hunt him on the food plots, which I do. And, you know, I'm seeing lots of deer. I keep seeing my one-horned deer running around and uh, a lot of his other younger buddies, which are deer I'm still seeing to this day. Sure. But uh, they all grow up, though. That's a good thing. Yep. And, uh. I'm chasing this deer around, and it seems like I'm one step behind. Right. And now we're getting closer to that, that rifle season. Right, where all the pressure has a tendency to. And, and just, I mean, we're going to have some people from Indiana, I'm sure, time in on, on listening as well. But Indiana's kind of like Michigan. Their opener is pretty strong. It's a lot of pressure. It's pretty good down there. And, uh, well, yeah, we're getting closer to that gun season. And... He's starting to show up a lot more on camera. Okay. And this is around 2020. I think this is probably around the time these deer were starting to really kick in their rut. Right. Right Right before that rifle season and right into it. Yeah, that makes sense. That'd be right about right time. Yeah. So now the deer's showing up and he's moving all around the property. Looking so for does. Looking for does. He's looking for does, yeah. And this is where I get a photo of the deer and he's. I got a stand down in this spot and I got a camera right near the stand. I get a photo of the deer about 3 a.m. Okay. And he's he's walking down the ridge. He's, he walks right past the tree stand. You can see the tree stand in the camera from the pictures. That's sickening. I don't even care if it's at dark. When you see that, you're just like, oh. I'm I there. <laughs> oh, you're there then? I'm there. Okay. I could, uh, I'm thinking, because I wake up, I see the photo. Mm-hmm. I know right where he went. Now, now, do I go and hop in the stand? Do I not? I'm scared I'm going to bump the deer. Right. I don't go and hunt the stand. And that's when my first daylight photo shows up. Of him in the same place coming right back the other direction. Going right back the way he came. <sighs> but it's the core of my property he's heading up into. I mean, it's a good sign. Right. The bad sign is I wasn't in the tree stand that morning. Sure. The tree stand you can see in the photo with him walking by in. So that's my one daylight photo of 2020. And ultimately, I think that was the only... Daylight photo, I got him. Mm, God, that that just makes it, yeah, I mean, it's just so sickening. You know, especially when you're dialing in on that one deer and you're just like, oh, do I take the risk or do I not take the risk? And when when you're hunting big deer like this, it only takes one mistake. Yep. It really does. And then, you know, at this point, you're beginning in November, right? You know, one mistake could have cost the rest of the season. I mean, he could have run... And never seen him again the rest of the season. Could which have gone you, anywhere. You didn't get trail camera footage of him then, but he easily was there and, and around and, and whatnot. So Yeah, he was definitely that twenty twenty season and when I got that daylight photo of him, he was definitely around. That was his that was his time when he was gonna be around. So after I get that photo of him and I don't hunt him there, I get uh probably about eight hundred to nine hundred yards. Okay. I got another camera. And this is clear across big CRP field. And I'm getting photos of him over there now. And he's with a doe. Okay. 
and the one horned deer is there. Okay. And there's another deer there. Um, I don't have a name for this deer yet, but he's he's a deer that's on my mind to this day now. They're all in that area, and, and I know what they're doing. There's a hot doe in there. Sure. And for three days, I got photos of them on that camera, and I got a food plot. It's 200 yards from there. I got cameras there. He never showed up on it with the does there, never at night, nothing. So it told me he was staying in that thicket. And, again, it's a spot I really can't access and hunt. Right. Is it tough because of wind, or is it just tough because of terrain? The terrain and the thermals and the way it, all the ridges, they all it work into one little thick. Drops right down into like a little flat, doesn't it? I mean, it? anywhere yeah. you try to get off the top of it to, to watch it, your thermals, you're dropping in there. And they're, it's okay. just too hard to hunt. So, now, you're still there though, right? You're This is all going on while you're still there. Yeah, this is okay. all going on while I'm still there. I hunted hard like I always do when I'm there. I, I put in a lot of time for the most part. Yeah, when you travel to hunt. You know, and, it's uh, like less time in the hotel than you are in the stand or, you know, <laughs> it's funny. It's like we, we give up eating. It's like I eat an energy bar and a cup of coffee and yep. that's about it. <laughs> yep. And I'm just like, I'm there. I'm trying to figure out, I'm, I'm redeploying cameras everywhere that I can get into without accessing too much. Sure. And, um, really I'm just trying to locate the deer and I, I, I'm not having the problem locating him. It's I'm having the problem of getting on him and accessing him where where he's going and what thickets he's going into and he's just not coming out of them. Yeah. He's holding does in them. I know what he's doing. He's holding the does down. He's yep. he's breeding them. And that that leads me, I think I hunted till November like twenty second, twenty third, somewhere okay. in there. Before you come back home. Yeah. And yeah, I, I hunted him up until I got photos up until that last point. Boom, gone. Just disappeared, just, just vanished. Gone. And so that. Do, do you think, I'm going to stop you for a second. Do you think that maybe at that point, is he maybe bred his family group of does and is like, okay, I'm going to, now he's going back to that, the neighboring property we talked about earlier because they have that 300 chunk. Is he moving into that area or is he moving? I mean, we're still in, you know, we're still really in peak breeding. I mean, yeah. at that point, I mean, we're still, you know, so he could be chasing that. And then, I mean, we had the second rut coming right after that. So, and my thought process was I was scared that he followed a doe and he got shot by yep. someone else. I wasn't getting any more photos of him and he, he never showed back up. You know, for the rest of that season, he didn't show back up. And my thought, yeah, nothing again until 2021, right? Correct. So, I just ultimately in my head at that time, I'm thinking somebody harvested the deer it just right. didn't get talked about or maybe somebody made a bad shot on the deer you know i don't know right don't know what happens to them and uh ultimately i don't harvest a deer in 2020 that was my next question so 2020 becomes a wash for you know hoosierville yep no, so. no deer in 2020 um you know i just didn't have the deer to chase i had sure. one deer and he, he got the name ehd survivor and he uh he made it by again. Well, that's that's kind of going to that 1%. That's what happens, you know what I mean, when we focus on one. And, and it, it's different sometimes when we have one or two deer or three deer on a property that we can actually focus on. But when we're really looking at one, it's it's tough to, one, it's tough to sit in a tree and pull the trigger or let an arrow fly on something that's not him. Oh, yeah. But then again, it's also tough when you just don't have that. And based on everything in the recovery from EHD, you know, it, it's just, it made for a tough year. So we'll spin a little bit into 
we do our best to try and if we lose a deer on camera like that, we we try and seek out from the neighbors and everybody that we know in that area. Did anybody kill this deer? What happened? You know, trying to just dig that story up. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't talk to many neighbors there, but there's, there is a group of guys that I, I've gotten to know and they got about 400 acres and it it borders the one side of me Mm -hmm. and I've gotten to know them pretty well. So I've, I've talked to them and I don't want to say like, yeah, I was trying to not tell them about the deer, but I didn't want to bring up the deer unless they brought up the deer. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard to play that cat and mouse game with, with them sometimes and go, Hey, you didn't see that mainframe eight did you right it's looking for him but <laughs> so like in my approach when i talk to them you know i just ask them how their season's going and if they've harvested anything i just you know kind of give them the same thing we don't ever really share trail cam picks uh so it's pretty it's it's a friendly we'll call it a friendly competition kind of because it's one of those things where you're like oh yeah you know it's it's yeah, good yeah. until we're we're both looking at the same deer then it's not good but it, yeah. and it's still good. It's just, it's one of those things. And, you know, obviously if, if they would have harvested it and sent you pictures and yeah, it's frustrating that you didn't get to, but it's still one of those things where you're like, great, you know, at least, you know, you know, then, and sometimes not knowing is way worse than knowing. The good thing is they're all, they're all really good guys over there. So right. everybody that's hunting over there is a really good guy. I wouldn't be mad if they ever no, harvested no. a big deer. That's the way most of my neighbors are too. It's like, it's fine. If Call yeah. me and tell me. I want to know. I just want to know if you if you got them and so I can do the attaboys and, and yeah. congratulations and everything else. I mean, when it boils down to it, we're all hunters and, and we need to, you know, support the industry and everything that we do. And, uh, you know, the the deer, big people get crazy over big deer. They oh, do. Yeah. I mean, I know I do, but not to the level of, you know, the, the way that uh, we've all heard the stories and things that go on from that aspect. So nobody... Nobody gives you any kind of secret information or they're like, no. No information. I mean, they shot a couple of deer that year. Nothing that would, you know, nothing crazy. They're good deer. Um, But nothing that was on that, you know, that would have been that hit list or that we had over. Right. Nothing that was like, oh, man, that was the deer I was watching. Yeah. And it's pretty distinctive. And and you guys will see on the, you know, we'll put a picture of him up on the, the podcast cover. I mean. This deer's pretty distinctive. If it was one of those things where somebody or anybody hit social media with him, yeah, we would have known. Yeah, you exactly. you, you would have known. So now we're we're back to where we started in in twenty, but it's time to make some differences and some changes in twenty twenty one. Which I I know that that was in the back of your mind. Is in in before we go into that, I wanted to ask you something that I know that I do. I keep a log of certain times or places almost to the day when I'm tracking these big deer. Like I'll look at, he was there on November 12th and he was daylighted and at dark, he made that transition, especially once I start getting a history of one or two years with a deer. If I don't, then obviously I don't have that information, but do you keep a log of those things? Do you look at it and go, oh, man, I need to be in that vicinity in 2021 because I know that may have been his core when he starts searching and he's looking for those. He's seeking through that area. So I've definitely used to keep a log like that. Uh, but now it's more like I use my wise eyes so much. It's My wise eyes basically keep my log for me. Right. My wise eyes tell me the temperature, what the wind's doing, and all that good stuff. So and I can go in there. I can log in the deer. I can name the deer. 
and then boom, it starts to recognize the deer. So right. the yeah. wise eye pretty much is my log. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier, definitely, with with those you know cell cams sending us those pictures and things of that nature. I know that that that's helped me a lot too, especially with the out of state stuff, man. If we didn't have that, you know, which is which is huge right now. There's a lot of lot of debate on you know states trying to trying to ban trail cameras in general, let alone. I know there's a couple out west that are, I think Utah and one other one that Wyoming or something yeah. like that, that was, they're trying to get rid of them. But, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's some advantages and there's obviously anything you have. There's always people that take the bad route, I guess, from that aspect. But you got to find something bad about everything. Well, so. you know, <laughs> it is what it is, right? So that part leads me to, to thinking, okay, so now we're just going to watch Wise Eyes but we're going to come up with a different game plan. We're going to look at some other, other things to do to the property. Um, 2021 was a lot different because, um, land management change, right? Like oh yeah. you guys decided that we're going to go in and we're going to do some different things there. So oh tell yeah. me about that. So the first couple of years with the property, it's under a CRP program. We got some big CRP fields and they're all under CRP programs. Okay. Coming into 2021, we're done with our CRP programs and, um, we're able, we're able to do crops. Okay. So, um, you know, spring, we got, uh, we, we did a lot of bulldozer activities, did a lot of clearing, and uh, got these fields ready to be planted, and they got planted. Okay. So we got we got corn put in on the property, like in the heart of the property. Okay. So and, right into the core. How many acres would you say that you were able to get corn in? And now, meanwhile, guys, going back to the previous year in 20, there wasn't anything, like he said, on, on the property, just CRP, but the neighboring property had some corn and some beans and things like that that were that were pulling those deer out in the summer months. Yep. So now you got some corn. I got all corn. It's all corn. It's roughly, I'd say, I'm not even sure, but we're probably pushing 35 acres of corn. Okay. And it's right in the center of the property. It's a, it's That's really good for me. Yeah, and um, it'll be prime when it's when it's when it's time when the does are hitting that corn, especially if they cut it and, and it, their bucks yep. will be there. They'll be there looking for them. So that was a lot different, and uh, we went in. We did uh, a lot of food plots. We put food plots into some areas I I don't hunt, okay. but I gave them food closer to their bedding. I mean, ultimately, it was it's just to keep them there and closer to that bedding, keep them tucked in there, and keep them away from the neighbors. So. Right. Well, we want to keep them on on the property too, you know, and, and this is a larger parcel, but that goes the same, whether it's 20 acres or a hundred acres or 5,000 acres, we and want to keep them on your property. Yeah. It's 700 acres and I'll get pictures of one deer on this corner and then next day he's at the next corner. So I hundred percent, I know they're crossing lines. I know they're going on the neighbors. I know they're crossing the road and, um, but I'm, I want to do everything that I can to keep them there. Sure. So I got I have plenty of water. We have a lake on the property. We got running water, streams, lots of water. Now the food's really coming in. Now that we got crops, and then I'm doing all the food plots. And there's plenty of these thickets and everything. Like Kyle was talking about earlier, he was telling you that there there's thickets everywhere in these pinches and draws and everything. That there's plenty of bedding and Tons plenty of, of visibility for these deer to be really really close to bedding. And that's what I've learned. Like especially in Tennessee, in Illinois, Kentucky, Indiana. It seems, even Ohio, it seems like these deer will bet, and you just can't get into some of these places because they can see you from so far away, especially right. if it's low ground crops, you know, not corn where you can, you know, sneak around and do whatever. But food plots, they'll bet on a ridge and you can get to the edge of the food plot and look and there'll be 20 deer bedded on a ridge and you're like, 
Yep. How am I going to get there? there? You know, and wind's right. Everything's right, but you can't get there because they can see you. So, which, you know, we battle their nose. We battle in their eyes. We hate to have that, that problem too, but we do. So now you got the crops in, you got corn in. Um, we're in the spring, put in a bunch of food plots. What is happening with the wise eyes? What's coming on those trail cameras? Things are picking up. We're getting some good deer. Um, Nothing huge yet. We don't have no beans. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of them bucks, they head toward the beans and they, they like, you know, they like to summer out in them. Yep. Uh, so it's still pretty slow in them early months. Uh, that's all right, though. We're still watching. Give it time. Sure. You know, we're waiting for that. Uh, we're waiting for the right time, but we're watching the food plots. And uh, a couple things we did different is, uh, this year we went in and we put electrical wire about through an acre, an acre and a half of the food plot close to my lines where I'm bow hunting. Sure. Making like a makeshift shot plot within a plot, which right. works really good. But as you know, we all learn when we put that up, we think it's going to keep all the deer out. It doesn't. They still get in there. Yep. We still definitely had deer getting in, but it, it did really help because the numbers weren't in there. They weren't pounding it out, but they were pounding all the exterior they absolutely destroyed that food plot for as big as that and this the one food plot that he's talking about and this will come up more in the story as we start digging in here food plots what three to five acres something like that three to five acres and it's it looks like bare dirt when we when we get time to to actually harvest the deer it's 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 bare dirt right yep it's it's torn up it's completely gone so if we don't put in that electrical fence you know by time i go there and bow hunt there's really nothing for them to come in and feed right out in front of me. So that's why we do the electrical fence, you know. And de- it definitely does help. So if anybody out there is having the same kind of issue, that uh, it's a definite help. Um, it, it does limit not all of them from accessing it, but most. Right. So, all right, so we got we got the electric fence up. You said there was a couple other things that you did besides the electric fence? Yeah, I mean, we just did more food plots than we had normally been doing. Okay. Uh, we did food plots that we we plan not to hunt, you know, they're just, just just food, just food, you know, keep the pressure off it, keep it close to their bedding. They were smaller plots. They weren't those three to five acre plots. They were more about acre and a half plots, but we did multiple of those. And, uh, you know, we just, we looked at different spots where we could access the hunt and how we could access. Okay. So we, we did change a few things up and we got a, we got a dozer in there and we were able to make some more lanes. Okay. So, uh, Property. Just some better access points so they can't see you or, or smell exactly. you from that aspect or it's, you can get around those those pinches yeah. to be able to get into to a stand or into a plot. Did At this point, did you have, um, I mean, I guess we'll go back to that in a minute. The, the, the plots that you have, the small plots, would they be traditional like to the same size as what somebody would normally put in for a hunting plot? Just giving them a transition before they go to big food? Is that kind of what you what you were hoping before yeah, they just, get to that big plot where you're going to be? Yeah, exactly. And just so, something they can you know get up and access. I focus most of the smaller pots around the corn. Okay. Uh, and especially the corn that they would head up toward by the roads because I would I wanted to keep them down in the pots in the light. Sure. And they head up to the corn at night because you know then they're seeable from the road and right. things like that. But um, yeah, the pots. And I just really, really wanted to pound the food in there. Just really keep the deer in there. 
Okay. And it, it, it seemed to really work well this year and held a lot of deer. And your numbers went up as far as even does and stuff that you were seeing. There was oh, yeah. definite large numbers of deer that were taking up residency close. They weren't, yeah. uh, you know, going to the neighbors or looking for those other crop fields even even earlier on. Yeah, we were seeing more deer earlier on. Not quite the buck numbers yet. We weren't seeing like a lot of huge velvet pitchers and big velvet bucks. But that's traditional with that property. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know you and I talked about that before. It's it, you're not, and I guess that's why you're not nervous by not having him on camera early on because he hasn't been at any point. I mean, we're going back to 2019. We didn't have any pictures of him until fall. Right. So, all right. So we we got that. Uh, all the plots are in, things are moving. Did you find anything, you know, no sheds, no nothing of them, right? No sheds. I didn't find any sheds from the, from that year. From 20? Yeah. yeah no, never found any, sh- not, not ever found a shed there. None of his. Yeah. Okay. So none at all? None ever? at all. Well, I've found sheds there, but last but none season, of none. Okay. None, none whatsoever. And, hmm. uh, so no sheds, uh. you know, and I talked about the one horned deer. He was a deer I was really excited about. Yeah. Did he show back up at? Never he just disappeared. Back up. Okay. I mean, he's a deer I've seen everywhere. Right. So he never shows back up. And that, that kind of worried me because I was like, man, that was going to be a really good deer. And I'm still at the point where I'm thinking the EHD survivor is most likely gone. But you never know. He's still right. in the back of my mind. So new year, looking for new deer. It's, or, you know, anything that had potential the year before we're looking for to show up immediately. Right. So, you know, we got the cameras out there. We're watching and. Now we're we're closing into season, okay. and uh, where would we say you're August September and where you normally have got some pictures of some stuff that you're thinking mm, maybe yeah. maybe not. So no, there's nothing. no no August no September <sighs> pictures. It's frustrating. There's there's nothing. October, okay. it's like when October comes around, it's like the light switches for some reason. Okay, had you planned a trip down in October yet? Already, or were you just thinking like I'm just gonna wait until I see something that's gonna yeah, pique my interest at this point? I don't plan any trips till anything shows up on camera. Okay. And I'm running wise eyes. I'm running plenty of them, and then I'm running a, a home surveillance camera system. So okay. it, run, it runs off of a you know basically like how your cell phone runs. Just a Wi-Fi hotspot, basically. Yeah. Yep. And I, so I run those on all the food plots that I have box blinds on. Yeah, I do the same thing. So. I watch those every night. I'm watching those every night. I'm watching what, where the deer come from. You know, if I need to make a move on one of my trail cameras, you know, what what they're doing. Right. And I'm seeing what's using the food plots. And then even at night, it's recording videos for me you know, what's using the food plot. I want to take a second on that, too, just to kind of help some people out. Because I'm sure, like, and I know you know this, and, and we know this is, this is part of something that we teach when we go into our land management thing and, and just looking for those deer is the advantage of having that footage, that live footage of being, when you have a, a trail camera picture, he might be facing east, west, north, south, left, right. doesn't make a difference. He might be standing on his hind legs. Who knows? But when you can actually see where he's coming from, and especially when we get a repetitive version of that, or those does are coming from the same pinch, or they're coming from the same area, it helps even more so. That's why I tell everybody, even if you don't have the surveillance cameras that we have, run video yep. run video on your trail cameras i know it takes more and it's whatever it sometimes it can be a pain to sit there and go through them but now with today's technology run video run it yep because 100%. it's going to help so much better as far as like where you know it, it, you'll get a situation where say we're hunting a scrape I, you could set up 
perfect for what you think the scrape is supposed to be. And the deer approaches next thing you know, he's, he's at your feet. Yep. And how many times has that crazy things happened to us, you know, and, and we just don't know where they're coming from long before now where we have these access to be able to do that. So I just wanted to touch on that for a second, just because it's such a good point for people to just kind of understand that that's why we run video. And that's why we run these cameras to be able to see more than just a still image of a deer or, you know, anything of that nature. So now we're, we got, uh, we got deer on the plot. We're getting into season. You haven't made a trip yet, at least not there. <laughs> no trips to southern Indiana. We've been everywhere else, but we have deer showing up everywhere else. So we're right. going everywhere else. I'm I'm watching my cameras. I'm sitting in a stand in Missouri. I'm watching my live camera in southern Indiana on my phone. So Indiana's always on my mind. Sure. So if I'm somewhere else watching Indiana live cameras, I'm filtering through which cameras. I got a couple of those, and then I'm obviously watching the wise eyes. So uh, we get into... 20 days of season, October 20th. Okay. And at this point, a lot of my last year bucks have showed up. So I got a couple of deer in there and one's a, a tall brow eight point. Okay. He shows back up. He was a tall brow eight point last year. He was just young. Right. He's still young. Right. Great. And three potential. and a half year olds or something like that. Yeah. Great potential. You know, I know I'm not going to shoot the deer. Over on one of my other plots, I'm getting another deer on Nine point, 150 inches, great deer. And if we go back to 2020, he's one of those three bucks that was. I was with him with that hot dog. Yep. Okay, gotcha. He's a young deer too, but okay. he's great deer. I'm I'm watching this deer, and I'm watching him on the the live cameras, and I'm like man, he's he's something. <laughs> Get your blood going a little bit. Right, but it, it didn't make me. It didn't make you're me not jump. jumping out of the tree stand and driving right. to Indiana. I'm not no, driving there. I know he's there, and I'm like, man, I I think I got a good chance at harvesting that deer. I know the right. deer from last year. I know where he's bedding. I know he's coming to that food plot every single night, and he's he's giving me plenty of daylight. And he's consistent. He's yeah, consistent. And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. So we get a couple more days go past. I can't remember exactly where I'm hunting I might be back home at the time which I think I am in Michigan okay and then I harvest a great deer in Michigan yep and it seems like right after that we'll maybe get to that one on on phase two or phase three of the CEO (laughs) well right after we get that done with and over with we boom I get a picture and it's of EHD survivor awesome and this is roughly right in that 25th, 6th, 7th, somewhere right in there, October, right? Yeah. Okay. And the bags get packed and I'm on the way. Right. And he shows up on the food plot. You know, the food plot we do, we put a lot of work in. It's my main food plot. I shoot the majority of my the deer I've shot on this farm out of that food plot. Right, right. So I'm thinking, great. He's one of these evenings he's coming out. He's going to be there, yeah. And it's, it's kind of like the same thing. It's. He's coming from that area where that big gut is. I'm getting pictures of him coming out of there and coming up to the food plot. So after he comes out of the up from the one side of the gut, I'll get a photo of him typically. And then I'm getting photos of him hundred more yards up on the food plot. Okay. And then yeah, he's going back after. Okay. It's he's in the dark. It's it's nighttime photos, but he's got me down there. You know? And he's still consistent. Oh, you yeah. know, it's it's but yet you know that it's that time for him to get silly soon. 
Yep. So I mean, I'm I'm bow hunting him. I'm down there. I'm bow hunting him. I'm hunting him on that food plot where I'm getting the photos of him. It's the only photos I'm getting of him. So I got okay. cameras other places on all the other food plots. I Nothing. Got cameras by the corn. The corn's still standing at this point. Okay. And uh, I'm just I'm just waiting. And I hunt. I hunt hard every night. I'm hunting that. I'm hunting that one food plot. And seems like I get out of the stand and I get back up to my hotel. Open up wise eye and boom, there he, there he is. is. Yeah, he's out in the food pot, and I just can't. It's almost like they're watching you. You know, you feel yeah. like, man, I was just there. What you see me leave? <laughs> that's pretty much. That's pretty much what it came down to. You feel that way so often. Like, it's bad, but that's that's the way it is. You feel like, man, or like they're like, oh, he's gonna be here in a couple hours. Let me get out of here before he, right. before he shows up. But okay, so now. You're still there. He's still showing up. He's still showing up, and I'm I'm haunting him, and then it starts to slowly get a couple Spread photos, out. and then I'm back to nothing. Nothing. He's not showing up on any food plots. Where are we at time wise? Is you know, are we into November? Are we into that first week of November already? You only spent. You were there what five days that first trip down? Four About days, five, five days, five days. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're getting right at the beginning of November now. Okay. And, so now um, we're getting nervous again because we know we got gone in three exactly. weeks, two weeks, you know. And you know, I keep watching these cameras, this and that, and he's he's not showing up on them. Other deer are still showing up. Some good deer, deer I want to pass, especially now that I've seen EHD survivor. Sure. Yeah, he became that one percent, and all of a sudden he becomes the deer, the single solo target deer again for twenty twenty one. And I'm watching him. I'm watching. I'm watching what I think he might do, and he's not doing it. So the predictive is not working. It's just not working. I'm not. I'm not getting it right. Ultimately. So thinking that way, you, you're just like, okay, this isn't working. So now at this point, you you decide I'm going back home. Go home. Right. Come home. It's a short break back at home, but and then I'm I'm back in Indiana, and it's, and it's not because. I got a photo of him. It's not, I just, I know he was there. I need to go find him. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second. It's one of those things where like as hunters, we get that gut feeling. We like, I I know that. And I did the same thing on my Illinois kill. I was like, I'm, I'm killing something when I get there, you know? So you, you go after that, that gut to be able to harvest something and and you're like, Oh man, I got to get there. And it's just eating at you, eating at you, eating at you, especially with him being that close to that range. So now we're looking at what the, we're like second week in November. I think you went down a couple days before I went to Indiana as well. So that would have put us, we're like, what, the ninth, 10th, somewhere like right in there. I think you were down the, you went down like the Saturday or Sunday before Monday or something before I went down. So something like that. Yeah. And, uh, got the bow in hand, got the bow in hand and I get down there. Bow hunt that night. See a couple of deer. Seen a, uh, I think I seen a grade eight point that night. Okay. Three year old, and uh, you know, get back to the hotel. Boom! Like there magic, he, he shows up, and as I hadn't got a photo. Of He's him, like, "Oh, you're back. I'm back too." Exactly. <laughs> it's like I show back up. I hunt. Boom! He shows up, but this time the photo. He's he's full blown rut. He's He's seeking he's, those. He's on, yeah, that's all he's doing. He's just on a, a mad dash to find another hot dog. 
and he's coming out from near that gutter I've always talked about, and he's coming mm-hmm. out of the, the thicket, and I'm like, man, he, I never got a photo of him on the food plot, just of him cruising the edge of it. That tells me he's... He's direct drive. He's coming straight from that area right to that food plot, right? Yeah. And he's he's working that same side every time of that. We'll call it just a pinch or a draw or that gut, yeah. like you're saying. Yep. And he's consistent on the one side of it. Yep, yeah, he, he's doing that every time. Uh, but he's not going into the actual food plot. He's just skirting, skirting it. it. But he's full-blown run. I can see it in his neck, his face, everything. He, he's looking for does at this point. He's... Were they tearing up the edge of that, that food plot with scrapes or anything? Oh, Did you have a ton? There were scrapes all around the food plot. Yeah. And I think I was a little late on putting cameras on the actual scrapes because okay. when I got there, I seen all the scrapes. I got the one photo of him. I instantly transitioned Moved cameras him. to scrapes. He never showed up on a one. Okay. So that was a little bit different. And he wasn't showing up on the food plot while I'm hunting him. Okay. And now we're getting... You got what, two hunts, three hunts in? Two or three hunts in, yeah, during the bow. And uh It's like Thursday or Friday night. Gun opens on Saturday. Yep. And it we're not getting no more photos of him. Just okay. that one photo of him again. And I'm just really trying to think what this deer might be doing. I'm thinking back about in previous years of where he went, kinda during in the rut and what he did. That's why I asked you earlier about the intel of like that specific day if there was a time now granted when we look back at it now we know that that's around that time he was on that gut and he was moving that same area at that same maybe not the exact same day but within like let's call it 72 hours he was in that same core area so So, now you're like what am i gonna do how am i gonna make this happen so i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking back and i'm thinking back to, to the old trail camp photos what he did and i'm man he he daylighted that one time Last year. In the morning. In the morning. Down in that gut. And he came right up the one side of it. Right. And so now I'm thinking, what do I need to do? I don't have a tree stand down there. Okay. And this is pretty much in right about center point of the gut. I have one tree stand way at the bottom, but that means I got to access from the top, go all the way through it, go next to the bedding. Way too much walking. With a big deer like this. A lot of walking. Way too much. Way too much scent I want to put on the ground. And I, I typically don't hunt the spot ever. Okay. I mean, I used to, but it's kind of, I've learned I've learned with the property as I've hunted it, I can't really hunt it. Yeah, it's hard to access. So I, I'm thinking back to those and I I go put a wise eye camera down there. Mm-hmm. And boom. There he is. There he is. Daylight? Daylight. Now, what time is this when this one comes? Is this a morning pick? Is this an early morning pick? One o'clock in the afternoon. That's why I asked. So one o'clock in the afternoon, daylight pick. And at that point, I know what I need to do. And we get some, it's not the best weather. It's a little bit rainy. And I go in, I wait for that rain. And I go in and I hang that stand. Took the other stand down. No, I, I you had, had another one I in the truck. I have stands with okay. me. Okay. I've always got stands. And then I grab a stand. I go in there. I hang it. Yep. Hawk stand. I throw the, the sticks up. I hang the stand in there and I slip out. Okay. Um, like, do I hunt that in the morning? <laughs> Here we are. Back to the same predicament we were in before where we're oh. like, man, do I really want to squeeze in there or is everything right? And now you're, you know, 
enough about it that you've, you feel like you've got enough Intel. I got enough in my basket to be able to go in there and yeah. And you and I both know that first sit's the best sit. I'm going to back up. So I hung <laughs> the stand. I don't hunt it. And I'm thinking for an evening sit. Okay. Do I sit it? Okay. And I don't sit it. I sit up at the food plot. And he shows up, doesn't he? Boom. Wise eye. There he is. Oh, now this is five o'clock. Right. Plenty of daylight. Yeah. He goes right through there. And you never see him on the food plot, which you potentially, if he would have came to the food plot, you would have seen him because it's not, I mean, as the crow flies, what is that? A couple hundred yards, maybe 300 yards, 300 yards. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Okay. And so at that, that tells me what he's doing. He's not coming to the food plot. It tells me exactly what he's doing. He's cutting up through the pine tree thicket and he's going up to the corn and the corn's cut now. Okay. Corn is cut now. Okay. He's going to feed there and check does there. Yep. And that corn's probably drawn a lot of does at this point of the year. I mean, yeah, but and I'm getting these when I get these photos of him, he looks a lot different than him seven days, eight days before. Yep. He's not all rutted up. Right. He's just just cruising. Cruising. So I think he's going to feed in that cornfield at night. Okay. It's cut and he might check does, but I don't think he's doing anything too hard. Enough. Nothing high pressure. Okay. And uh so we we Decided I did, I'm not going to hunt that evening, and yep, he shows up, like I said, and then now, I've, now it's about going to bed and sleeping on it, right? Right. What is today? Now you're you're with a bow that day. Ideally, that stand was hung because you wanted to get in there and put the Hoyt to work, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I had it set up pretty good, what I thought he was going to do, and he should transition right through there. Okay. Ultimately, I I waited out. I don't hunt it. I don't want to pressure it just because I, I'm afraid to bump the deer. Okay. And I don't hunt it. And ultimately, I probably should have hunted it, right? Right. You know, he shows up on camera. I should have hunted it. And that's just something as a hunter, we make choices. Sometimes they feel wrong. Sometimes they feel right. And I think that if I recall, I think I came into headquarters that night and I talked to your dad and... um and he told me, he was like, Kyle's on him. He's on him. And I'm like, all right, well, I, you know, I'm leaving. I was headed out. I think it was Friday early afternoon or something like that. And um, I think that's where it leads up to the next day. Yep. Here we are. And I'll let you take over again from there. So now we're, now we, uh, rifle is opened up. Yeah. We, so we put the Hoyt down and we pick up the arc. Six pick up millimeter the six arc. millimeter arc and, uh. We're going to chase this deer with a gun, and I, I get down in there this morning hunt. I decide I'm going to get down in there. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, this deer, he's smart. He's old. Right. Maybe he knows what I'm doing. I drive ATV in every time. I park it hundreds of yards away. Mm-hmm. Maybe he hears it. Maybe he does. I don't Maybe I'm overthinking it, right? Right. I'm not really sure, but I decide I, I'm not I'm not taking the side-by-side in. I'm walking it. I'm walking all the way in. That's what I do. I Change is good. Yeah, I make I make just a small adjustment, a little bit harder on me, but that's all right. Right. And I walk in, and it's a, it's a it's a long haul, but I get in there, get set up all in the morning, still pitch black out, get all my camera stuff up, and by the time I'm done, I'm I'm regretting it. It's just point. not not feeling it right. 
cold's getting to me. Oh no. It's so the mental part kicks in. It's like it's not even breaking daylight yet and I'm freezing. Oh no. And them early mornings, you know, it it can get cold out there. It's probably I can't remember, it's something like twenty degrees. Yeah, it was chilly that morning. And, and the wind was blowing, I think, down there then too. I think oh, yeah. it was blowing pretty nasty that morning. But I'm I'm down in the holler a bit, so I'm out of the wind a bit. And uh I I'm freezing, I'm sitting up there and I hear a deer coming and the leaves are so crunchy, you know, right. that frosty, crunchy, so that I can hear the deer. And I know it's a it's a buck chasing a doe. Mm-hmm. And I'm, oh, man, that's a good buck. And I'm trying to get the camera on him. I'm like, man, temptation's real at this point. Like, right. A really nice eight. Ultimately, I just let him keep cruising by. I'm so cold, I don't know if I can even try <laughs> Can't even pull the trigger, let alone, too bad, that, you know, if you had the Hoyt in your hand, it's like you, you feel like in those moments, like, oh, man, can I even draw the bow back right now? Yeah. And ultimately, I knew a deer I was there for, and right. it wasn't him. It was just, it's just how you feel as a hunter. It's the mental the mental part of it, it's getting to you. The season's getting late. You're chasing one deer, and now it's, it's getting to me. And I'm sitting in, I can, in that stand, and I can remember, uh, you know, it's like 7.30 in the morning. I'm like, just make it to 8.30. That's the same thing I do. Push myself. An Add hour. another hour. Another half hour. So exactly. just do it. So that's what I do. I see another nice eight point. Comes down. And he does exactly like how I want the big deer to do it. Goes right by me. It's perfect. I'm like, exactly how the deer should be doing it. I know they're coming off the crop field. Right. And they're coming back down through the gut. And they're going right back down to bedding. Perfect. Deer moved really well that morning. I think I seen like 19 or 20 deer that morning, and like half of them were bucks. Yeah, and I'm just like, so perfect. This is this is what I want. Sitting there at 8.30, not like 9.30. You just got to make it till 9.30. Got to do it. Got to do it. And probably 9, 9.20, group of does, three, four does are coming out of the pine tree thicket. Mm-hmm. Do exactly what the eight point buck does. Okay. Perfect. Every deer is filtering how I want them to filter. Exactly what I want them it's to do. It's textbook for why you hung the stand the way that you did, right? Exactly. And okay. I'm like, I just hope he didn't already cruise through here. I mean, I didn't get a trail cam photo of him, but he obviously don't show up on camera every time. They might walk another 20 yards behind right. it, you know? So maybe he's already made it to this thicket. I don't know. And I'm sitting up there and it's, now Back in that mental game again. We're just nine thirty. I'm at the mental game. I'm freezing. <laughs> I'm freezing. I got toe warmers, and only one of the toe warmers is working. So my right foot's like sweating, and my left foot feels so numb. Right. And it's like just the most odd feeling. But I'm waiting. I said ten thirty. Just make it to ten thirty. And I'm looking back. And the way my face, my the, the stand faces, I'm looking directly down the two track where these deer are crossing from their pine tree thicket, and I can, you know, watch them cross, go from the pine tree thicket down to the next thicket. Okay. I glance back up to my left, up the two track, and it's really the only open area you can see because it's so thick on each side. Okay. There he was. He's standing there. Just out of nowhere. Never, never seen him walk out of the pine tree thicket, but he's walking right toward me, and he's on the path I walked in on. Oh no! And it's our, it's our two track, and I'm like, 
not good. The good thing is it's super cold. Yeah, it's super cool. So you're hoping that little bit of moisture that was on the ground held your scent at least just a little bit longer. That, that's what I'm thinking, but uh, he's a big old smart buck, and his nose hits the ground. He looks directly at me. Oh, I mean, but I, I'm in a lot of cover. Right. You know? I know he can't make me out in that stand. Right. And once they do, he slips off the two track, and he's going way up behind me. He's going... He's Checking gonna try and scent. skirt that, yeah. Checking the scent. Yep, yep, I'm gonna check the scent, skirt me to find the scent if you can find it. And now I'm in the tree stand, and I know it's the deer I'm there for. It's first time I've ever laid eyes on him. Okay. And I'm just like, how do I make this happen? Right. In my mind, I said, it don't matter about the film. Right. This deer has gave me the runaround. I wanted him bad. He's been my number one deer for two years which is tough because i mean yeah. we're there to film hunts i mean that's right. what we're trying to do i mean i want i want to i want to film my tag yeah but and, you also want to <laughs> you know get the footage for everybody else to see yeah so i'm, I'm at it's a tough point for me because i really want this deer he's a big deer i've been after him he's there he's 80 yards away he's circling behind me okay so i have to make a quick adjustment in the stand turn 180 degrees and i have to turn directly around and try to get on this deer and i'm i'm just not seeing it okay i'm not seeing this happening there's so much brush i can't find them in the camera just tight cover yeah and then it's like magic he's somehow in the camera frame and i throw the camera over and i put my gun up i squeezed it off as he walked into the frame with my one small opening and at that moment, I didn't know, thought I missed. Yeah, he, he didn't have any reaction or anything. He just kind of. No, no reaction. A deer has no reaction. He just goes. Just off. Yeah, he's just gone. Out of the frame. And I'm at a point where I really can't even try to follow the deer with the camera. I'm following the deer with my gun looking for another shot. Right. Way too thick. I'm not going to take a shot. Not on a running deer. Not not in the situation where I was and how thick it was in a. He's getting out of frame, and I, I can just see his head barely, like his antler tips on my scope. Okay. Had he stopped at that point? Yeah, he stops. I see his antler tips. This is all I can see. And then from what I can tell, the deer drops right there. So you don't know if he beds down. You don't know what he does at that point. You're just like. I don't know if he dropped to the ground. I don't know if he just dropped and booked it out of there. I'm not sure I even hit the deer. Right. And we'll go back to that, that Indiana and southern region stuff. I mean. Uh, 20 yards they can disappear yeah i mean in so nothing because there's so much thickness and hilliness and everything else there so it makes it tough yep and uh and i sat there for a second i'm trying to look over there find this deer with my scope see if i'm not seeing nothing of this it's kind of where like i'm almost 100 percent positive i seen them drop so the excitement's there and then the excitement kind of fades away and it's kind of disappointment because like now I'm second it's the guessing. Mental, yeah, yeah the mental side of it, myself. yeah. So now, now I'm just sitting there for a minute. I call my dad. I said, you know, I think I just ruled him. <laughs> He's like, well, did you? And I'm like, the signal's really bad. I have no signal down right. there. We lose signal. It's choppy. I, I text my uncle. My uncle's there with me. I said, okay. we drive the ATV down here. Meet me at the top of the hill. I'm going to walk out. Boom, he does that. I get out of the stand, and 
I know when I climb out of this tree stand that there's a good chance that that deer is down over there. I'm going to be able to see him. Yep. So I, I waited a little while. It's probably like 20, 25 minutes, and I slowly get out Which of is stand. absolute hell because, you know, you yeah. got the one-foot wonder heat thing going on and yeah you know, it's just it's not doing good at all and then now you're mentally just a wreck because you're like you know like you said you got the devil on one side saying oh you missed that deer and you got yeah. you know over here you're like oh no it's good everything's good right and i just i just didn't know when i climbed down on that stand and i'm i'm peeking in that direction hard like <laughs> And I'm just not seeing nothing. Well, he was close enough, too, that when if you made any kind of racket, he could have got up and busted you at that point exactly. if he wasn't. If he just laid down or decided, like, I'm just going to play, you know, the cat and mouse game, and I don't know what happened. I'm just going to chill. Exactly. So but like, he didn't. Like, right. I didn't know if I had made a bad hit on him and he had bedded right there. I didn't know what had happened. So I'm, sure. I'm looking over there hard. I got my gun up. I'm ready. And I don't see nothing. I'll mind you, just take a second on that, that that six millimeter that you shoot that Jeremy, you know, built for you here at the shop, <laughs> you know, it's, it's same hole at like what, 200 Oh yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. I mean, the odds of that, unless, and it happens, it happens to all of us, but we'll go back. I just wanted to add that in there just for a second. I just, and yeah, in, in all reality, I just didn't know what had happened. Right. So I'm like, I know it's a deadly gun. I know it's accurate as all it can be. Right. And uh, I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about uh, deflection. Sure. Yeah, and being so branch. thick. Yeah, did you hit a branch? Did something happen? And uh, so I wasn't sure. And now disappointment's really sad because I, I know I should be able to see this deer from where I'm at on the ground. And I start walking up that hill, and I meet my uncle up there, and he's like, you got him? The one? <laughs> I said, yeah, the one, I think. I said, I don't know if I, I got him. know, yeah. But it was the one. Sure. It's the one I wanted, and uh, we waited. I just needed to get my composure back. We probably waited half an hour. I just stood there. Right. I stood there right in the sun. The sun was just, like, beating on me. Which is, you know, when you're sitting in there and you're cold, that's just enough. You know what right. I mean? It's like one or two degrees makes a one hell of a difference. So that's what I was doing, just standing in one of them little sunny spots on that mm -hmm. cold morning, and I'm just replaying it all in my head, and I'm like, I didn't even... Meanwhile, you never checked the footage. Never checked the footage. I mean, honestly, didn't even know. You didn't I think had you had any footage, really. I mean, right. based on the thickness and everything else that was going on. So I didn't even believe that I got the shot on film. So we're sitting there, and 30 minutes goes by, and I said, all right, well, we, we better let's, let's go look. Sure. And we're walking back down that two track that I walk in on. Mm -hmm. And we get to that point where that deer stood when I had first seen him. Right. Look to my left from the pine tree thicket he come out of. It's nice, fresh rub right there. I'm thinking, did he just rub that before he walked out? Right. I look back to my right, and it's just the sun was hitting perfect. <laughs> I could see him. His head was on the ground. I could see that rack sticking That rack up. just glowing in the sunlight. Probably 140 yards away, but that way that sun was hitting the rack, and I... That's when the excitement is It's like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? Yep. So we, we got over there, and I just, I couldn't believe it. I really could not believe it. The deer was on the ground. Right. The EHD survivor was on the ground. Right. And and going back a little bit, like, he's on the ground. It's EHD survivor. This deer's been through everything. The only thing, really, I mean, you have a handful. I mean, you get lots of, lots of trail cam pictures over the course of, of the 19 to 21, but really only a few in daylight. 
Only a few. Not many. Most of those you were like there <laughs> when he shows up in daylight. Yeah. And then now, the first time you see him in the stand, it's you know super rewarding to be able to go. Now I can put my hands on this deer that I've been after for so long. So yeah. tell me about that. Tell me what happens. Like you know you got your uncle there, which is good. So you, you're getting you know you still don't know if you got footage. And at this right. point you're happy as I'll get out. So it doesn't make a difference if you did it at all. You, you got the target deer. So tell me, tell me about uh, walking up on this thing. So we, we, I can see the deer there from a ways out and I know he's down and that's, you know, all excitement sat in and then I took it in for a minute and then we walk in, we walk in over there and, uh, and just see him laying there on the ground. The sun was perfect. Everything was so surreal and just took a minute to soak that in and, look at that deer and I mean I, it was just incredible just because the story with the deer makes it that much more rewarding right exactly and the history with the deer the history was there but it wasn't like great history it wasn't like I was seeing the deer every day it was like bits and pieces here bits and, there. and pieces and now we just got to fill the story and there's still a lot more to this this deer and his story that I don't even know Right. I don't think he was a homebody deer. I don't. I think he was more of a rut deer. And yeah, we talked about that. He seemed to only show up in that area at a certain exactly. time of the year, and he just kind of. And I think that you might be right with that situation. He wasn't. He didn't have like a home core area. He just. He knew that that family group of does was there, and he knew that he could go in there and breed yep. a half a dozen of them or so, and then he would just move on because he's not a young deer. I mean, deer's what we're we're thinking six ish. Maybe yeah, five thinking. and a half, six and a half. I mean, based on nineteen to now, and looking at what he was then, I I would say I would agree with you. Maybe even maybe yeah. even seven and a half. It's hard to tell. You I, didn't send his jaw out, did you? No. Okay, I didn't know if you guys did or not. So now he's on the ground. So tell me, what does this deer score roughly? I know you guys just put a rough tape on him. I don't know. If- we rough taped him out at one hundred and seventy eight inches gross score. Um, he's a pretty big deer. I mean, that's the second deer that's grossed boon from that farm right. for me right but this deer he's a little bit bigger than the last one and uh the story's just a lot better yeah that tops it all i mean just looking at these g2s i mean look at the g3s on this one side I, the deer's the deer is a uh he's he's a beast for sure you know he doesn't have the brow length i mean can you imagine if this guy had like 8 or 9 inch brows that they get at that age i mean where would he be then you know i thought about that too like and he's different he's just got short short he, brows he does yeah um, but i think it's really neat and uh it is i like the time length everywhere else you know it's like he he didn't have it in the brows but he's made up for it everywhere else for exactly. sure exactly and it, and i was really worried about you know this deer getting busted up um because this year we did have another deer I would say was in the four to five year old range. He was a big heavy horned eight point. Big bully on the farm. Yeah. And he was a new deer, but he showed up this year also. And so now I had that deer in my head the whole time. I'm thinking about this deer and I'm right. like, that deer is going to be a really hard pass for me if he, if he walks out. Right. I'm um, thankful. I never seen that deer on the hoof. And I'm thankful the story ended how it did, but I'm excited for the upcoming years and I'm like, well, that creates the anticipation, you know, to, you know, you look at a deer like this and you know that the genetics are there for the property, you know, you know, he bred a lot of does, you know, and, and that history continues, you know, you got that big heavy horned eight, 
you know, we, there's a lot of other things that, that are to play with that, but man, just, just a great deer, Kyle. I, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty thankful to be able to just grab a hold of it and just see just how big, I mean, he, he looks big from the pictures and the footage, but when you put the, put the antlers in your hands, you, you really sealed, you know, seal the deal as far as like the size of the antlers. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very rewarding when they have a big antlers like this but you know to get right. the age class on them especially for a deer that did survive vhd that's even right. 10 times more yeah rewarding. i mean like you said it, it makes the whole story it makes everything complete you know and when they have when you get a background or you you know you have some sort of history with the deer it just makes it like you said it the reward and the storyline you feel almost personal with the deer yeah you know you know his his actions you know what he was doing and and you know, it's an outsmart game, you know, and, uh, it's, it's good. It's, it's great. I mean, you, you've had a hell of a year I mean, you've got a ton of antler on the ground. Those are more to come in, in future casts here, but, um, this one, this is a good one. It's a real good one. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't be more thankful. I'm just ready for the next one. Right. So, we, we got a little extra that we're going to add here as we try and close things out for you. I know we're getting into about an hour and 15 minutes here. So we wanted to get a thorough story and get right to the, you know, right to the, the nitty gritty here for you. And I'll let Kyle even say a little bit more on this, but, um, coming within the next, I'm going to say 48 to 72 hours, we will have the footage that we did not think we had on this deer. So yes. that's going to drop, uh, it'll drop on all of our, our social media aspects, um, whether it be YouTube, Carbon TV, or any of those. So, you know, definitely check in with us to see those in the, in the next day or so. Um, we're hoping to have it drop by Friday evening um, right now. Um, this should come to you if you're listening. It'll probably be Thursday. You guys will be listening to this. Um, and, uh, it's, it's some great footage. I mean, there's a lot of history and a lot of everything like Kyle said with this deer and it just, when everything comes together like this, this is why we do it. And, um, we're going to continue on, um, with more about, uh, what Kyle was able to put on the ground here in a couple more episodes, but tell me just, just briefly, let's, let's light the fire a little bit about Michigan and Ohio just for a second. Okay. Um, I mean, we won't get crazy with it, but we'll, we'll tell them that we got a little bit more antler on the ground. Yeah. I mean, there's, those are two more big stories and, uh, you know, I had a great year here in Michigan, one of my best years in Ohio. I had a really great year in Ohio too. I haven't harvested a deer in Ohio in quite a few years, but uh, the one we put down this year definitely makes up for those few years. And, yeah, just lots of bone this year. I couldn't be more thankful for that. It's probably been one of my best years since I, in terms of, you know, putting antler down. Right. Um, as far as total, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, my well, biggest Michigan deer for one. I was going to say, yeah, that's the biggest Michigan deer, yeah. And and traveling and hunting other states, you know what I mean? We, we it's always a, a crap shoot and a gamble when we're buying these tags and going where we go and doing what we do. But, um, like you said, we're not really, most of us, I mean, I, I plan a little bit, but not a lot. We're not really running until we know. Right. You know, and that, and that's one of the reasons I was so thankful to harvest my Michigan deer before mm -hmm. and like 
early. Yeah, you could appreciate that being at home early on and then not have to, like, pressure yourself to go back and hunt him. Right. It gave me a lot of time to leave state and go focus on out-of-state deer, like EHD survivor. So I was – it really played out good this year. So how things worked out for me was – it was a wonderful year, and I hope to I'm able to top it next year. But I won't complain if I don't. Right? Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's a stellar year, and I think we got uh, we got footage on what two out of three three footage on all of them. We got footage on two more. Two more to come. I did harvest another deer in Michigan, but I didn't get the footage on them. Okay. Yeah, I knew we had. I thought we had three for sure that we had footage on. So, yep. so those will be coming down the pipe as well. So. Um, we're going to wrap it up here, but once again, uh, this deer is an amazing deer. Like I said, you guys will see a picture of him on the podcast and, and definitely tune in for, uh, the video here that's going to drop in the next 48 hours. And Kyle, thank you for coming on today. And, um, again, guys come back and see us next week for, you know, everything, the top 10%. <laughs>